It's time for the podcast yeah. you all love. Let's go. Watch your I'm ready, this is how I would take it if I was I always tell people that. I always tell people that. It's not just you. It's just gonna be you on the podcast. Okay, guys. Oh, my leg is too big for this. <laughs> Holy shit, that scared the Peters out of me. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Alright. I'm glad you know, baby. I'm gonna tell you what, man. Shit, you gonna focus right up, alright? Focus. There you are. Ba boom, alright? Fuck all them, ho! Go ahead now! It's just me on the podcast today. Crazy Cronano rules, nothing flop. Yo! Oh shit. Whose man is this? Why can't. Why, why, why is my leg more in the frame than it was before? I don't like this. Oh, look at the camera. Uh oh. Uh oh. Get your dick off my pretzels. One of his sons. Today, we have Frankfurt pretzels on the show. Can I be wearing a more red sweatshirt? By the way, I noticed last episode your holographic shirt didn't come on camera. Good news. Interesting. Oh, stay there, stay there. We're going to do a segment called Feed the Feed the Elephant. And then one for the trainer. Today's episode is sponsored by Frankfurt Pretzels. Shit, sorry. It's our new snack guest. Every week we have a snack because we're trying to gain five pounds a week ever since I we had the Gabriel Iglesias Kevin James challenge and I challenged that every day I would gain five pounds so that I could be a real boy like them fat boys. Hey, that's a funny, that's a fun uh, idea you came up with. I also realized snack thing. That's mm-hmm. a good idea. Every week we have a good snack, but it's actually a bad snack. But Fat Joe. The OG talking, or, or, the, or Joe Melnikov? No, I was, I was talking to Fat Joe, as in the rapper, the OG. Uh, he used to hang out with Big L a lot. He said that Big L one time was macking with this girl in his Benz, and Fat Joe knocked on the window, and Big L says, what you what you need, bro? I'm, I'm macking with the girl. And, and Fat Joe told me that at that moment, um, he, 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 Fat Joe took a gun to... Big L and said I heard what you did you fucking stole my snacks and fa- apparently Fat Joe got mad one time at Big L one time beca- I mean yeah Fat Joe got mad at Big L because he stole Big L stole his like chips or pretzels or something in the studio so it almost caused a fight but luckily Jay-Z stepped in and killed Big L so and, that, that whole crisis was averted yeah luckily thanks thanks Jay and Beyonce actually had a big part in that a lot of people don't know that Beyonce was a very Pivotal role in the death of Big L. A lot of people don't know also that Jay-Z is from New York. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think he's from Chicago. Yeah. But that, you're getting them confused with the other king, uh, Kanye. The other, and king, the other king of hip-hop. Hip-hop. And you're getting con- you're getting him confused with Frank Sinatra's New York State of Mind. No, I think you're thinking of Sammy Davis Jr. He toured with Frank a lot, but he was always in the back of the 
limo situation yeah what's going on guys it's the what's your angle podcast my i i graduated from bu and my name is jake d'ambra my name is caleb cronin caleb cronano and i i didn't graduate from the new school but i'm currently on semester's leave because i couldn't afford to keep going there because i was in a lot of i was going to get into a lot of student debt um so i decided to not take out any loans or anything and i paid for the first two years all up front and the, I didn't, I didn't take out any loans. So I'm, well, I took out of some small equity loans, but only a couple thousand dollars debt. But right now, I'm riding my new school out. I can still go there, still use the resources, still can use the drums and um, and the piano. That's good on you. That's good on you. That was the smart choice. Mm-hmm. Because once you, if you pay everything out of pocket, so there's always a chance that you're not gonna get what you wanted with the money you spent, right? But that's that's just the that's just the risk of capitalism and. And we take risks, you know, in the, the current system that we're living in. So, hey, you took a risk and it might not have been for you, but, you know, sometimes but, I buy, blue, I bought, for example, I bought the Blueberry um, Creative Snack uh, Companies, the Blueberry version of these. As opposed to the, what? This is as this? opposed to the, these are currently the Strawberry Pinks. So I got the Blueberry Blues and those, you know, that gave me the Blues uh, hyperbic, hyperbolic, uh, hyperbolically and... Uh, I didn't like those as much. I spent about the same. I'd say it's four bucks. It's the same price, guys. But pack of pretzels. He took. He took a risk. Now, do you regret taking the risk? You know, uh, I don't because it, I said I still like the pretzel concept. Uh, just maybe not the maybe not the bl- so so blue. Let's let's change the color. Let's make it. May, I'll even take a pink blueberry. Well, I find a lot of times in these uh, artificially flavored things, they have flavors that are like blue raspberry. And I I never seen a blue raspberry. I, 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 I'm sorry, sorry. I ain't never seen a blue raspberry. I never have either. Mm-hmm. Never but have hey, I ever. So I think you know we all take risks when we make a purchase. But luckily, you don't. You shouldn't regret it because you didn't take on uh, the ghost money, the loan situation. Mm-hmm. So we all make you know mistakes. And now, now what I'm trying to do is see how long I can live without having to get a do a job. Mm. So this is a new do interesting one. experiment. Yeah, I don't want to do a job. Mm. This is a new interesting experiment where. Anything that I do in my life, I'm just trying to do nothing in. So, like, say if I have to go, like, um, you know, to go to apply for a job, I will try to not apply. I'll try to do anything I can to not apply to the job. And then if I if I do end up applying by accident, I'll try to make sure that that's the only job I apply for as to not get a job. Because as many of you know, uh, you can really get, you can really learn a lot in life by being homeless. So I'm trying to get to a point where I can be homeless, but where I can live on the streets, but I won't have any debt over my head, like you said, Saps. Also, uh, living homeless ends up not being that bad after all. Mm-hmm. You know, this is famous saxophone shows. player Sonny Rollins, who you know was homeless for a couple of years in New York, believe it or not. And so, what the mecca? Keep in mind, this was the '90s. Keep in mind, this was around '93. And, you know, Tribe Called Quest just released Midnight Marauders, and Sonny was kind of pulling his hair out, but little of it he had left. And so he was under the Williams State Bridge, and he decided to perfect his craft while he was homeless, because he still had his saxophone, and he wouldn't sell that. He said, this is an extension of my soul, my and being. Plus, he used it as a pillow. He used it as a pillow. It got dented, but that gave him that unique sound that everybody's come to know and love him for. It's that dented horn sound. And so he was homeless for many years, and then he decided, you know... I'm going to not be homeless anymore because I learned so much from being homeless, playing under the Williams State Bridge for so many years. And I think he's better from it. So we mm-hmm. see him today, you know, he's he's colorblind. He can only see the color red. And that's why all, everything he wears is 
that same old red suit that you come. Hell, I thought it was a Black Santa. I kept calling him Black Santa Sonny. But, you know, we all learn. And then he I, got in a lot of trouble for that. I got in a lot of trouble for that. And all my clothes now are red. Because as, as a kind of, to show you, Sonny made, made a lawsuit. And now he has to wear all clothes red. This happened I last lost week. the lawsuit. I lost this happened. It. He just lost last week because that's why. He's yep. start, going to start wearing red now on the podcast. Well, not only on the podcast, but every day. Yeah, unfortunately. it's more of a, more, it's legally it transcends kind of just this. But the good thing well, is, Sonny didn't didn't want to get involved too much because he um, got sued by Dexter Gordon's estate because Dexter Gordon has a similar story where he played under the bridge, played for the bridge, and he wrote a tune called "Round Midnight," and actually filmed a movie called "Round Midnight." I think it was I think it's either starred Herbie Hancock or was scored by Herbie Hancock. But you can watch this more on jazzvideoguide.com/slash/youtube.com. See so, the whole case there. So essentially, yeah, the whole case is public. You can go look at public record. I'm not going to put it in the link. But you this, can go look. But you you could find it. Uh, look up D'Amber versus Rollins, the case of Black Santa. That's Jazz, what it was called. And then it's by Jazz Video. And then, yeah, and then there's like this whole score that Herbie did for the whole trial. It was interesting. I've never seen that mm. before. And Tribe Called Quest analog came speakers in. And, yeah, and then, you know, Q-Tip came in and it got, it got a whole thing. Ron came in. I, wh- whichever Ron, this bunch, one of them came in had a few words to say it was almost as if it was an obituary but a public one and so Sonny's yeah. still kicking though Sonny's still kicking he's what is he 105 I think he like actually that? is like 97 98 yeah. and he still plays the horn or maybe he just retired playing the horn I don't know that's I saw when I was like born 97 97 yeah wait but I thought well no it doesn't it doesn't align with the linear the non-linear novel that we've been telling but yeah anyway yeah, because people consider this a novel. They say, oh, I need mm-hmm. something that I can wrap my brain around, get engaged m- mentally. And no, so not novel, like like more like no- novella. Novel. Like, it's... like a novella? No, yeah, exactly. Like a te- tele- television novella? That's yeah. kind of what I was going for. You know, I was I was uh, talking to someone the other day. They were talking to me about books. Yeah, and somebody oh. asked me, do you read? And I said, yeah, I do. Not as often as I'd like to. But I thought that was kind of a funny question. Said, it, I've I gotten read? asked that plenty of times. Yeah. In fact... I got, I read every day. I don't know. Hey, I, um, you know, I, someone asked me that I was, you know, uh, interested in, into, um, through, in a love sense. Not, not that I, you know, like in a, um, romantic, uh, romantic. Someone that you like, for. someone that you love asked you something? Uh, no, 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 no. It's more of a romantic kind of exchange. A lust. That's the right word. You must read. And so she asked me if I if I read, and I said, mm, mm. I'm like, a little. She said, oh, name some books that, you know, off, like some recent books that you read. And I said, recent? Now that's a word hmm. I can get into. And I said, well, I don't really read much. Nowadays. Now, I have in the past. She said, well, what are some books that you read in the past? And I kind of gone clammed the up. The Crucible. Cru- oh, Scarlet Letter. The and Invisible Man. I said, these are all my favorite books. And I was lying. I just didn't know enough books to kind of throw at her. So I threw all the books that I just remembered off the top of my you head. You just threw the book at her and you were hoping that by throwing the books at her, she would read. Yeah. She, luckily, she dodged it. She's still fine. And then, you know, I, I'm i done reading. I told her. I said, I'm done reading. The only thing I... And I said... I, was, I joked, though. I was like, <laughs> the only thing I will read is music. Because that's kind of my body and soul. That's kind of what I wake up to. I, you know, eat breakfast. I eat, I eat music. I, you know, lunchtime rolls around. I eat music, consume it. And then nighttime, 
get a little bit more music before I go to bed. So I try to explain to her what my passions are. I said, reading's kind of for the birds, and I'm more of a, you know, landmass animal, mm-hmm. so, which is a music, a meta, it's a hyperbolic metaphor for music. And she's like, okay, cool. I agree. I think reading is taking taking its toll, and I know that with social media involved now, we have to read less and less because we're able to develop this technology that's often referred to as skimming, which just means that when you see a large body of text, you don't necessarily have to go through every letter, every word, every sentence. You kind of just go, just read the first word, read like the next word of the next sentence, read the last half of the last sentence, and you're kind of done. Especially because we have such long attention spans now that we need to focus them on other things like videos and YouTube games. A lot of that had to do with the move of social media, you know. The whole purpose, Mark Zuckerberg, and uh, who was the other one? Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. Pesci, the other guy who created um, Instagram. They both kind of got together. It was a meeting, and they said, we got to do good for the world. Mm -hmm. I'm done sitting around. I I graduated. I did my thing. I went to college, um, clown college. And they said, you know, I am sick and tired of doing nothing to contribute to this world. So they came up with this platform that we, (laughs) you know what it is. I know what it is. Facebook, Instagram, Google, um, Imager. They all, came, all those, they all came out around the same time. They all came out kind of in the same year span. And they said, well, what are we going to do to kind of better humankind? And, they, and Joe Peschke said, I have an idea. We're going to create a platform where everyone can be interconnected, right? And Mark Zuckerberg uh, hyperbolically whipped out his dick and started peeing on Joe Pesch. And he was like, what are you doing? He said, good idea, but we're going to scratch all of it. The real reason we're creating this platform, you know, if you studied, is because we want to prolong people's attention spans, right? Work on it. Improve it. You can't get better at anything unless you practice. So through their work and through their kindness, they created a platform that not only is engaging, but it also is purposely building up your attention span every day so that you have something to look at for long. It's kind of a brain game. Exactly. Of Mm -hmm. of sorts, right? Mm -hmm. Of sorts. And, you know, without them, who knows where we would be attention span wise, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm able to focus on their apps for hours on end. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's I know a before, skill I didn't have. Yeah, before. before I never had that. You know, I would, I would do things like, I don't know, redundant things. I would sit around, read books. I would write essays, you know, uh, write letters to my loved ones. I would kind of, I would be able to analyze uh, things that I liked, you know, in history, uh, texts and Pat's philosophy and I don't know it was kind of it was it was it was all fun and games I would say and now I'm able to really zone my energy onto one thing one screen one platform and that's all thanks to Joe Joe Pesky and also Joe Pesky speaking to Joe um, I want to give a big shout out because he just came out with a new movie directed starring Joe Pesky directed by Joe Pesky um, featuring Rob De Niro it's called The Irishman and we just were able to see it last week in the the Netflix premiere, of course, the Netflix-only movie. That's another topic that we can get into, the whole monopolization of these streaming platforms. Um, of course, this movie was a brilliant movie. Um, it's about six, I've never seen anything like I, it. I, I had never I seen anything like it had. because it was a completely new concept. It was a six-and-a-half-hour movie, and um, it was there was many parts. Each What would happen was each hour there would be a new... Um, kind of star introduced into the movie so the first you had rob de niro Not second hour you got joe pesci third hour you got al pacino what was cool though can i interrupt was mm-hmm. that when they introduced the new character they would put a title on the screen and they'd say now including joe pesci 
Yeah, and it was directed all by Joe and starring Joe. And I'm telling you, they, they made these guys look old in the movie. And they made him look young. Um, because it was kind of this movie where they implemented this technique that I had never quite seen before. One of the many reasons why this movie was so good, the flashback technique, yep. which was they would be telling the story and it would be non-linear, so they would go back in time with using the same actors and actresses, and they would Cloud. they would they would tell you kind of what happened in the past, and then at the end it would loop around and it'd show how it's relevant to the to the present moment that you were in. Um, and they would do the thing where they zoom in on their eye, and it kind of simulated how they perceive the past mm-hmm. right through their eyes. They use and imi- the first, imaging. The first time that it happened, me and Jake were so thrown off because all we, we went from seeing these old Rob De Niro, Joe Pesci, um, Al, Al, Pacino, Al Pacino, and then all of a sudden the, the screen zoom into the eye, the whole tone scale comes and when the screen flash and we, and all of a sudden they're young. And we go, oh no, we're watching that. We we accidentally clicked the wrong movie, or we, this what's what's we're on this some movie? kids channel? We're on some. We're, oh yeah, because the guys were looking so young, and then we real we pressed pause. We realized it was the same movie throughout. So this is one of the reasons uh, that this movie, The Irishman, I think is going to win the Globes this year, because it was so impressive through and through. The directing was spot on, and um, I have never seen anything like it. I know a lot of my friends are already saying that um, movies like Joker and. Um, uh, Parasite are kind of in the past and already forgotten about after Rob Pesci's role in the the Irishman. Yeah, you know another thing that really st- struck me about that whole flashback technique was when I was looking at let's just say Robert De Niro in any case, and it kind of was going over his high school years when he was a trucker, and you know he would he would go to class during the day and then at night he didn't need to make money because his mother was dying, and so he would play by you know, Betty White. Play, 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 and so he would he would drive you know in his truck make enough money. But what was amazing was how how there was still a sense of realism in the flashback mm. when they dressed up Robert De Niro you know as a fourteen year old boy when he was driving the truck. He didn't look a day past eighty two. It was unbelievable. Mm. He really still he still looked like the essence mm-hmm. of his current day character mm. at least in the film, which took place yeah. in was it nineteen. And and so they really were able to ca- still carry that essence of the wisdom of the old man in the fourteen year old body, and that mm. was something that you know we we first we said not a not a lick of gray hair yet. There's something there's something off, yeah. but in a good way, you know. So mm-hmm. that that's also something that they should win an Oscar for. Well, yeah, and not only that, but I think the whole concept of a a, a prequel is such a great idea for something that really wanted revisiting, and as we know. Um, after the fact, uh, you have to see the ending. Mm-hmm. But without giving away too many spoilers, we know now that Irishman is actually a prequel to Meet the Fockers 1, 2, and 3. Yep. And this was one of Rob's great kind of successes and success stories. Um, it's you're, you're told the real story of you know the great Mr. Fokker um, and what his past was like, how he got to you know his current self. Of course, he, he was, we found out in Meet the Fockers 2 that he was a spy. Uh, he worked for the government back in the days. We realized that Ben Stiller did a great performance, and we we loved you know seeing him play such a wholesome role. Of course, we knew that there was a dark history, um, and in Irishman, we really got to see how it all played out and how Ben Stiller was born and how this whole lore was started. Yeah, and my favorite part of that movie was honestly the ending. I know we said no spoilers. This isn't really spoiling it much. But the last scene of the movie, you know, it has the the title screen. It says, well, now introducing actor Ben Stiller as a baby. So they deep faked his his face onto Robert De Niro's current son, who's, I think, eight months old. And and so, you know, you, you picture an infant 
in the in the arms. This is the last scene of the movie. Mm-hmm. We're not spoiling anything, but my very last scene. They're in the hospital. You hear, kind of in that still her voice. Hmm. You kind of you kind of recognize the voice, but you can't place exactly who it is. And so Robert De Niro's looking up. He said, "Is there a burden here?" And they said, "No, it's just the baby just born, your son." And so they go in, you know, turn around the corner. It does one of those Dutch pans. Um, and essentially, the last scene, the last shot of the movie was the text saying, introducing Ben Stillher, deep faked onto Robert De Niro's current son in real life outside of the movie, The Irishman, which is the prequel to Fockers. So that the, all the text was, was up there. And the last mm. scene was a cute little baby boy, Robert De Niro's actual son, uh, with eight months old, I believe. Yeah. With uh, Ben Stillher's uh, face crying, so they deep faked him crying from the movie Zoolandish. Oh, Zoolander. Zoolander. Yeah, um, yeah. That's it's an amazing it's an amazing story, and I love how the McKay brothers and kind of that whole enterprise, the Zoolander enterprise, have all come together at the and and decided to work on something that's deeper than just one film and kind of really go get through a story, and it actually makes go me get think, Go get him, and it actually makes me think of you know a lot of things. It makes me think of the story of uh, the nativity scene. The nativity the scene it makes me think of uh, who's uh, what's his name in, from Midnight Cowboy. Um, the Dustin, tall one, Dustin right? Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman makes me think of Dustin Hoffman's trilogy because he was also a member in Mister the Mister the uh, Meet the Fockers. and we always kind of wondered what his story was too because we knew he was kind of a sexual guy. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I used to actually dream of fucking um, Dustin Hoffman's wife character in, Mr. in Meet the Fockers. I mean, she was just so, 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 something about her was so beautiful and sexual. And Dustin Hoffman really, in the movie, at least in the story of the movie, was able to be the perfect pairing for her. And I would just love to know how those two became, you know, to know each other. I know Dustin lived in New York during the whole time that he was homeless during this whole Mid- Midnight Cowboy movie documentary series. It's a biopic. So it would be great if. We could, I mean, I'm talking to the directors now. I know we've got a lot of people listening to the podcast, talking to the actors, talking to the directors. We can make a push. If we could get a story of Dustin Hoffman and his beautiful, sexy wife from Meet the Fockers and how they hooked up uh, to make someone so great and to make a story, be part of a story that's so great, I would love to see the Irishman and Dustin Hoffman's Meet the Fockers, beautiful, luscious wife, yeah. get together. And so, I, you know, I, I don't, I'm just some guy, right? I think personally that in the next Emmys, um, they should introduce this this new category called joint effort, and so what it does is it's, it recognizes the the talent and the work that went into two different movies, who either can they can be related, so it could be a prequel, prequel type situation, or it could just be two movies that kind of go hand in hand, like in a sense that you could sit down with your friend and watch both kind of in the row and be like, wow, I've been entertained. Those were two great movies on their own. So it's mm-hmm. called joint effort. Uh, this is my proposal, and so it'd be easy the first the first one given out would be very easy it'd be Irishman meets Meet the Fockers because not only are they separate but they are also together due to the congruency of the acting guild that you know is involved with with the two movies and whoever has their hand in the essential jar the cookie jar and I think that you know Ben Stiller and Robert De Niro could take home I think they could take home the bacon that time so this was started and Biggie Smalls got involved and uh, let's just say he was in a real pickle because they told him, look, it's going to be, at that time, it's going to be $45,000. To keep in mind, in today's money, that's equal to about $93,000. Biggie, it's year 93. Biggie, 
$43,000 for that lineup on your bald ass head. And if you do not pay, we're gonna say that we're gonna release your nudity and your nude tapes. And at that time, he was doing nude tapes with none other than Tupac. Tupac, Tupac. And unfortunately, they're the same, same music. Unfortunately, um, they were really graphic tapes, and nobody wanted those to get out, especially Biggie and Diddy. Because he was at his biggest then. He didn't go through that weight loss in 92. Or 94, of course, excuse me. Yeah, of course, you, you can see those tapes anywhere now. But what ended up happening was they said, we're going to release these nudes of you and Diddy Smalls, or you can pay the $45,000, and we're going to say that you donated $45,000 to charity. So what did Biggie do, of course? Paid the, paid the hairdresser off, and in his name, the Tony and Guy Hair Salon School was started. Uh, and it's a charity for young hairdressers that are able to uh, kind of introduce their, <laughs> their style at a young age. And, and thanks to Biggie and, and Tony Bennett, it all wrapped up. So I'm just I'm just throwing I'm just spitballing ideas because I know I do also prioritize the safety of celebrities in my head out of all things. Yeah, I'll be on the subway. You know, I look out the window. Beautiful. It's a nice day. You're getting paid. You got money in your bank account. I'm going to class, and I think I know, first thing I think of is I wonder, you know, how Will Smith is doing with his Gemini man, mm-hmm. and you always wonder about their safety in the end. And hopefully that he was able to take some skills from the Hitchcock script, kind of to use them in real life if he were in a dangerous situation with that. That's why me and Jake are so worried about What's the celebrity. They say that the more popular you get. The more you know, you're at risk of. And going back Actually, to going back to Biggie, not to bring him up again, no disrespect. He did rest say, his soul. By the way, he said yeah. one 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 thing that I will believe. More this was, money, and, and this was at the problem when he. This was at the point when he was 600 pounds and he was bedridden, mm-hmm. couldn't move. He just was essentially. He could have said a lot of stuff. A dark said blob in thing. the corner of the room. And said, so what did he say to you? More money, more problems. And that stuck with me. And me and Jake have been really reminiscing on that thought because we forgot about it for a while and now we're going back said biggie was right because he told us on his deathbed that one thing he said more money more problems and um me and jake have been getting into problems because we have been making a lot of money with our music lately and we're worried genuinely i've never been this worried in my life um we both we, we both don't know want do. jobs right we can't get them. The reason we don't we don't pursue jobs, hey, not because we're lazy. It's because we don't want to make even more money and risk and put ourselves at risk. You know, I don't need a job. I just am, I'm in fear of my life every day because of when I check my bank account and I see the money there, and I and I think this is all from me doing music, playing live shows. Mm. I know it's not going to end well. How many more live shows can you take? At this point, you should just be paying the venue, right? Mm. I mean, I've done three so far in the past six months. And I'm already kind of up to here with the danger zone as far as when I'm walking. I can't get up, can't go out past 11 a.m. Because every time I got people on the streets asking me for change, you know, I, I go out and I and there's these random people that come up to me. And I know it's because of the show I did. They come up to me with like hoodies on and like and sagging pants. Have any change? Have any spare change? And I, I, I get, I get in the subway and I just think, yeah. Geez, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I should have listened to Biggie, because it's like, get off me. How much can you take of this? You know, it puts stress and mental toll on you. And I also ha- don't know what to do with my money. I've been investing it in stocks like crazy, 
you know, we you know we've been working with all the candy distributors on this side of Austin, Texas, and Arizona, and it's not easy anymore because I got stocks in so many that are conflicting. I got stocks in General Motors, I got stocks in Twix, I got stocks in Snickers. I didn't think before. Biggie told me specifically, never invest your money in more than two candy companies. And I didn't fucking listen. So now I'm in a fucking pit and I don't know what to do because every day I go outside of my house and I feel like it's going to be my last day. You want to know what he called that in his business term? Hmm. Sweet tooth dilemma. I think that's where you are right now. You better you better invest in more more things like Campbell's chicken noodle soup. That's true. Things I need to are, invest in savory things you know, because my, my balance farms. is a lot of work. Yeah, Pepperidge Farms, breads. I could try... They do uh, do cookies though, so you'd have to make sure it's the separate enterprise that, that only, does only does the goldfish breads. colored... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. I used to buy cold goldfish colored. I used to think that each one was going to taste different. Then I realized it's all a gimmick because they all taste the same. Yeah, just like cheddar cheese. Mm-hmm. Then I found cheese. It's but we'll talk about that's another that's food coloring. Time. Well, that's well the cheese thing is different because we are trying to introduce a flavor of cheese that's where every square is different, different flavor. Of course, it is extremely time consuming because in the factory we we make sure that there's a worker for every square, which at the end of the day promotes jobs. Sure. But it does slow the process down a lot. So we've been working on new flavors. Some of the flavors we're thinking of is fish ball, uh, Chinese sausage, popcorn. Uh, Konkatsu, the, the Japanese yeah. pork mm-hmm, cutlet. Mm-hmm. Um, and one more that we were hoping for uh, getting by the end of the month was fish sauce. So we're just working on that. We're working on putting kind of a Vietnamese Thai uh, Chinese kind of all, all Eastern Asia and then also China flavor packed together where each single square is a different region of Asia um, and then we're also, we're also gonna have to include some Russian flavors uh, maybe we could do kind of a twist with like a vodka stroganoff but it's we'll, funny we'll that you mentioned that it's really funny that you mentioned that because specifically vodka we did, we recently had a meeting with Anheuser Busch, and you know we were saying we have our hand in the food industry, but we don't want we want to get more into the part the party industry, right? We want to get into more of the the, young the hard scene. drug people scene. And they said, well, dr- drug hard drugs are illegal. We said, okay, well, what's another thing that young kids like nowadays? They said alcohol, and we said, sign me up. But specifically, I was raised an alcoholic. Specifically, they said, kid these days, kids. Mm. Uh, like young kids are liking seltzers, mm-hmm. so so our so so our pan our pan our pan our plan is gonna be gonna create a whole mixed bag, with whoever food company we work with, whether it be Cheez-Its International, Pepperidge Farms Limited, um, or Campbell's and Campbell's as well. You know, soups. We were thinking about creating a snack that is like that mixed bag, and except instead of colors, we're going to actually do different sorts of uh, alcohol per each piece mm, so one piece is going to be gin other piece is going to be a kind of on the more mezcal side like and it. then we're going to have a little a f- a fun little thing in each bag where it, one of the chips is going to be seltzer flavored so mm. you take a bite and you say wow this tastes just like a uh, uh white claw white claw or a um truly truly or a bon and bon and vive you know any of these brands right it's going to be one of them and it's going to be the clear flavored so that they won't be able to tell but there won't be. There actually will be uh, almost no alcohol in those ones. So whenever you're taking it a little too serious and you're seeing you're seeing double, right? You Take have double seltzer. vision. You're looking left. You're looking right, and then you see the same person, huh? They're twins, and then you say, "I'm gonna take one more of these. Get me where I'm going." But then we trick you, right? We trick you, and Anna, we we and Anheuser Busch, we're in it like that. Mm-hmm. And so we're working on this plan. 
probably going to fail like most things we do but you know we got we got to keep our heads up right we've Mm -hmm. kept our heads up with music and because of that and this is this is totally separate this is just you know a little little take from our story huh our lore is that when we when we started music you know we were really popular the minute we started people were coming to our gigs you know six seven people at the coffee shop my mom you know caleb's mom caleb's aunt my my aunt's my siblings, you know, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I want to go home. I want to play Fortnite. Shut up. Like, you got to support your, you know, older brother. Like, I get it, right? I get it. But we were popular because all of our family would show up to our gigs. And that was really, that was really touching. But also, we made a lot of cash from them, right? Mm-hmm. And so, what ends up happening is that, you know, the older we get, the more experience we get. And, you know, overall, the better, better we've gotten. Uh, we we kind of become we start failing more right and so most people say embrace failure embrace the feeling of failing because that will motivate you to do better i tell those people to do two words jump off a bridge which is the third the third word and because that's not failing is not going to get you the money that you deserve and it's not going to going to get you the checks that you deserve so when we started making business moves for example this podcast uh, the genius idea, you know, what's your angle podcast starring Colin Cronano? It's a multi-million-dollar idea. Whether you know it or not, we know our bank accounts know it, mm-hmm. which is why we're fucking scared in the first place. But essentially, we've kind of omitted failure out of the equation, right? It's not an option. It's, it, it just doesn't exist, right? We because we fail, we f- we don't we're constantly even... failing. If you're constantly failing, you failure is not an option. You're damn right about that because every failure is a success inherently and, and in someone's eyes every success is that of another charm which is part of the overall lore to the show absolutely and we'd like to introduce and a new character at this that. little piggy went to the market and this stayed home and this one that i can't move at the end is the man with the gnome mm-hmm. that's a poem by william s burroughs so yeah, we're looking forward to everything in the future, and it lo- I'm looking forward because I actually don't have a bottom half. I'm only a torso now, so my life has been extremely refreshing and has been extremely exhilarating because I've been able to experience new things like sexual intercourse in new ways. With the with the torso situation, mm-hmm. cut off everything other than you know from your your bone my rectum essentially. Up. Yeah. Well, I think they missed that too. Hmm. So. I've been doing a lot of wet, well, not wet, so much wet dreaming lately, but I've been doing a lot of hard erection dreaming, where I'll have a um, dream that I'm having sex with someone and I'm waking up, and I wake up with a hard erection, um, which is something that I wanted to ask the viewers about. Uh, when you wake up with a hard erection or you wake up with a wet clit, are you ex- uh, directly after? Are you masturbating to relieve your uh, hormone, or are you keeping the um, stimulation there and maybe going back to sleep try to re-enter the dream to try to finish finish up finish up clean up mm-hmm. so question for the viewers and I'm, I'm happy to you know to talk more about my I'm happy to figure experience. out the answer you know the the whole consensus mm-hmm. in a respect um, what's amazing is this new torso situation of yours when you do get erections which I've seen plenty of yours you you know basically you, you picture you know, picture like a cylinder with a round end, right? Because there's no genitalia. It got cut off in the process. I just picture... But you do have a dick, actually. So what happens is whenever you have an erection, 
it's almost as if you know picture like a, a thick cucumber and then a smaller one kind of pops out in the end so it's almost like a kind of like a weather compass when it, when it comes out and that's really it's, it's a really new new situation and i bet you've been able to experiment more because now you need someone to help you out you know, mm-hmm. by relieve to relieve yourself, whether it's in dream or in game or kind of in real life. Yeah, I've been focusing on in dream sexual relations because uh, for me they're a lot easier to achieve and more frequent. Uh, so that's what I've been into lately. But hopefully, you know, one one day I can get an in game si- simulation going and uh, Maybe get those legs back after all. Cause it's probably well, hard mm, probably not at this point because I've kind of given up on real life sexual relations so i'm i'm okay at this point i would say no to anyone who offered me a service um and that's not because it, i don't necessarily have an attraction for them what if they were like caleb you're i find you really attractive you know i'm a 10 i want to get down and i want to suck your cock like what would you do in that situation today um i would if i had a i'm wet for you i, I really want to suck your cock if i had a full body i would probably tell them you know that we should wait a little bit before you do that I don't want you to feel insulted, um, and I, I would like to feel a little more comfortable. Mm-hmm. So we could wait, and we could wait a, a small waiting period from two, one, anywhere from one to two business years where we could get to know each other and experience each other. You About know, kind two of, years, huh? Yeah. Could be pen pals also at the same time. Mm, love um, letters. Mm-hmm. Those are always and, cute. And they make the, the women wet. That's what I've heard from, from others. Yeah. So I would just like to give it time. But my torso has been doing me wonders, and I'm going to keep dreaming, and I know that eventually I will find someone that I love in my dreams. I can marry them, hopefully, and try to stay in the game or go to sleep forever. Mm. Either way, you it's a win-win, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You get your cock sucked in dream, you get to, go to, you get to sleep forever. Mm-hmm. I, and I believe, honestly, when you die, you just it's just one long dream. Mm. You, know, you, go to, you go to sleep. Well, you knock out. We've we, already experienced the... Um, you know, void before we were born. So I don't know why we're so scared to experience it again by death. Well, no, I mean, I, that on a t-shirt. I remember when I was born, actually. I don't know about you. Oh, yeah, you, I do too. Speaking do on too. this void. I do too. I, I remember being in a dream, waking I remember. up and saying, dream too. I remember when you were born. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, but whatever. Speaking of dicks, though, um, my, my, um, one of my teachers in my program I'm not gonna drop his name, but he's a dear friend of mine. I've really come to love this man. No disrespect. And this is this is genuine. Um, he was telling me about this new thing called Game Changers on Netflix. Have you heard of this one? Mm, yeah, never looked into it, but I heard great things. Let me tell you something that's so interesting about it. You know, it talks about meat versus plant-based diets, which is fine and all. You know, if you're a simpleton, uh, you know, if you're just some some NPC, right, just living their daily lives. Who cares, right? Who fucking cares? But the real meat and potatoes of it is what the benefits are to eating a plant-based diet. And let me tell you, there's this one, there's this one experiment. I have yet to watch the, the film, but I was told this, you know, kind of in a dialogue, that the per- uh, men like you and me, you know, we go to bed and we fall asleep and you dream. Meanwhile, while you're while you're dreaming, you have about 800 erections, whether it's in your control or not. They're all self-conscious, and so what's amazing is that this is that this uh, film talks about how if you eat a plant-based diet, such as you know primarily cucumbers, kumquats, you um, you know you end up actually having 80 times more than the average person. So that's eight times eight, 64. 
So that's a big. That's about sixty four hundred erections uh, that you have compared to your typical um, fast asleep amount as as a meat eater, right? So they say when you eat meat, the blood that's from the meat ends up translating into your your blood, and it becomes cloudy. So it eliminates the cloud and eliminate and it eliminates uh, erectile dysfunction essentially. At least when you're sleeping, I don't know how that's going to help you when you're alive and you know interacting with a, a woman in real life or men if you're gay. Um, and what happens is uh, when you're unconscious or self-conscious, you you end up having 6,400 erections if you eat enough leafy greens. I found that really fascinating. I said, well, what did they hire a man to like count? The amount of erections that someone had while they were sleeping and like watch because that, that'd be a lot of production value and they said no we ac- they actually developed a technology it's a ring essentially so if you have a girthy cock you're able to kind of extend the ring with one of those things that you see in a wrench typically and it puts it on and it's a motion sensor so it counts the amount of erections you had and they said about 6400 percent of top athlete performers had 6400 compared to 800 erections the normal amount and then I said, well, what happens with women who, who you know, transfer to this plant-based diet? And he said, well, it's just like Pinocchio. When he lies, you know, the nose flies. And so they put, an, uh, what ends up happening is a woman develops men genitalia, and you know the rest, about 5,800 erections for, for the average athlete woman who eats plant-based. I was shocked that, you know, my instructor who was talking about music was talking about this to me. But I said, I guess this is what the tuition's about. I'm mm-hmm. learning more and more each day. And Netflix, you're on your way. That's beautiful. I'm glad that... Do you think Disney Plus is going to have a competitive kind of place in this? Yeah. In well, this it will, yeah. And why? Because... Well, yeah, why? Uh, I've been working with a new program. We've been developing something called Boomerang Plus. Do you and have any free time? It seems like you're always busy. Always doing something. I'm always, always talking to Biggie Small. I always, um, I always have something on my plate because I believe that if you're, pl- if the bases aren't loaded, the pitcher can't strike. Nice. So I. You've been reading. I've been working with um, Boomerang, mm. which is a, a, a common channel that you may have, you may have had if you were younger and you had a extended cable package. I did not have, but many friends did. Uh, Boomerang had shows like um, what's the show with the bone to the T-bone steak? Well, the they had um, the, the, the Jackson, the caveman, the caveman. That's the show. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, the caveman, caveman bones, T-bones. T-bone, T-bone. Oh no, it was called Caveman and the T-bone steaks, and that that show was really popular back in the day. And they also By had Hannah Popeyes. Barber. Yeah, they also had Pop- Popeyes, uh, Popeyes and olive oil. We're on that same program. So anyway, we've been launching something to kind of combat this Disney Plus war. And we've been doing Boomerang Plus, which is a new streaming service um, that streams you all your favorite shows. And we've been doing a live action Flintstones. So we are hoping to incorporate that and have it streaming by next, by this August 2020, do a live action Flintstones. There's, it's actually not a comedy at all. It is, um, it's more of a drama and it's more of a horror. It's kind of a horror story about a caveman and his wife and them and how a T-bone steak can play a big part in the husband's sexual drive. Uh, it's kind of th- I think along the lines of American Horror Story and you know The Lighthouse with Willem Dafoe, which is another great film of the year. Kind of take a backseat to The Irishman, but we can talk about that on another podcast. Yeah, I mean, I really was a fan. When I first heard the, the idea of a Boomerang streaming platform, you know, I said, well, you know, 
these are old cartoons. These are old cartoons. What's the point of streaming them? Everybody's seen them, and there's no room for introducing new content into the premise. That's where you're wrong. And that's where I was wrong because, you know, Caleb explained to me how every, you know, cartoon that's ever been on Boomerang is ripe for the plucking in terms of uh, live action. Live action, you know. And then I said, well, they're all comedy. You know, they all make me laugh. My, I, my stomach's hurting from watching them. I always am laughing whenever I hear, hey, boo boo. And so I was saying, well, how? what are you going to do with that? Because I'm sick of laughing, right? I'm ready to cry a little. Be scared. That's what I'm, I'm willing to be scared, right? I'm willing to take that risk. And so Caleb came up with the idea that said, we're going to turn all of these into a drama. So picture the, Jet, the Jetsons, right? Mm-hmm. Flying around. Live uh, action. Live action. No uh, CGI. No CGI. And it's horror. So basically, essentially, it's the new Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And and I you know but it's it's more of a family oriented kind of family matters meets Star Wars meets something with horror so you know I'll throw out I don't know Scream so say Scream meets Star Wars meets Jetsons meets the Jacksons meets live action now I know what you're thinking that sounds a little simple maybe you need to kind of up the ante so what we decided to do was uh, do a show that was introducing new characters um, uh, and a new story but was in the was in the realm of these old um, you know comedy shows of the 50s and 60s these boomerang type shows so I'm developing a show with Matthew McConaughey um, and he's working to cast a lead because we had an idea, we wanted to do a show that was. We wanted to do a. Um, I don't know. It's it's not necessarily a porn, but we wanted to do a live action show that was. I was able to stream on one of these services that was able to include uh, a lot of sex and a lot of nudity and a lot of graphic n- novel. But not really porn, though. It's not porn. It's just this, it's just that we wanted to be able to do a no boundary show where. At any moment, you know, the the character could kind of strip and get get like have fellatio sex with another man, um, and we wanted to actually break all boundaries by doing this and have it kind of just be a live, twenty four hour show that was always running, just kind of one episode that is ever changing. And so we were working with Matthew McConaughey and his agents. Um, the project's and, currently called Out of Bounds. Yeah, and. It's something we try, are trying to lo- uh, air on live television. If you can picture, remember how live television went? If you could picture just, you know, you used to have the guide on live television because you would need to see what the channels were. So you go to the guide and you just picture, instead of seeing little slots like you would used to be on Boomerang, you know, the Flintstones, the Jetsons, half an hour slots, it's just one long thing on the guide and it's just out of bounds, XXX, um, you know, parental advisory kind of long thing and you can scroll there's a whole description it says not porn it's it's never mind the xxx that's legal all it's it's kind of a show for children to understand what is happening Mm. on the inside and how as well as the outside when with erections when kids start to experience erections and we're gonna put up a whole front for the parents that is gonna trick them into believing that it's you know a completely kid-friendly show they don't need to send any parental advisory and then we're gonna do a big email blast to anyone who is under the age of 17 uh living in the u.s and eastern europe we're gonna email blast them with the link to watch it on their on their iphone their ipad anything that can keep parents eyes away and we're also going to send a free um 
privacy screen protector which allows only the person holding the device to see the screen and no one from the sides to you know make sure that parents are not being the peeping toms in the situation and and you know you're probably hearing this situation and you're saying somehow the parents are going to find out somehow the parents are going to not get behind it i and, you know i wag my finger to that because i say well we have a lot of uh, backers financial backers in this idea so while we're creating the content the um the highly explicit you know uh, content for kids, of course, we're going to be also uh, creating content for the parents to uh, under the same keep name them happy to to keep them not only happy but to to essentially put put the put the wool over their eyes, right? Yeah. Their kids are looking at you know uh, adults, and they and they're going to be watching you know whatever's popular today, like Twilight or. But or also, some uh, some spin-off of, of typicals. We wanted to introduce uh, a way that they could also have some new stimulation in their love life for the parents. Mm-hmm. So we're offering a program mm-hmm. of um, a, a, a parallel channel. And the, the, the goal of that channel is to kind of just keep the parents occupied while the children are seeing the um, on the other channel. And this program is called Child... It's called Children of the genitalia um you know documentary national geographic geo series it's a very long title purpose purposefully long and basically what it is is it's it's videos of teenagers from the age of 12 to 17 as long as they're not um video showing their genitalia and having sexual intercourse and this is for the parents to understand that it's okay that their children may be, you know, experiencing these new things and having new sexual relations. And so, in order for the parents to think that's okay, they they have to be exposed to it. Yep. Um, just the same way that children needs to be exposed to to understand that that's okay. So now picture the adult's life, right? They go to work, they come home, their their kids are on the screen that they can't read for some reason because you know they don't know we why know the projector. We know, we know the projector, know. but they think that their kids are just playing with a blank screen and said, oh, maybe the battery died or something. So they go in their Some rooms, kid. you know, they put on the TV, so they start with The Mandalorian on Disney+, Plus. move on to, you know, they wanted to catch up on Mad Men, right? Like season three, I think they were on. And they said, oh, great episode, really love John Hamm's in this. Now they're looking on the guy, they go, what's this? And then they, they, see, uh, they see a title that's too long, right? Which is purposeful. Exactly why we did it. Exactly why we did it. And it has the words genitals, it has the words and it has the words uh, pleasure and natural geographic pleasured naturals naturals and so they say oh those are all my keywords that really push my buttons in a positive way for my entertainment and the husband the husband at this point says why don't you you click it and yeah and then the husband says i gotta go i gotta go back to work i gotta go to the office they want me to work all all night so the so the wife you know she really wanted to get fucked that night but instead you know uh, he packing up his briefcase you know and he has to head back to the office and do a couple of Excel spreadsheets. So in that time, she really wanted to spread her sheets. And luckily, you know, she reads genitals and then she clicks the long ass title. It's going to be the first thing. And, you know, maybe maybe it's not exactly what she wanted. She wanted to be pleasured. Um, but this gives her that. And it also develops a new seed for kind of an addiction to what we like to call the addiction to ch- Which is when you uh, have not been very exposed to ch- but by default, since you are kind of forcefully exposed to it, you just start developing an attraction towards it. So what, what happened at this point, what happens at this point is the wife, um, sexually frustrated, clicks on the channel with a long title that we purposefully developed so that 
she would be intrigued. She clicks on the channel and she sees a chair and in a white room and she sees a about a 15 to 16 year old boy walk in, sit down in the chair and um, and he has a, you know, it's clearly a and he's and he is coming to the point of climax and he is, you know, he and now she, right now she's thinking, you know, this this boy is about the age of my son, about 15, 16. And this this thought for some reason is um, she never is a but this is this is something that is for some reason sexually stimulating It's because she was exposed to the as a woman who was already in a horny state she uses this as an excuse and he looked like you know he looked like the father enough and yeah she uses this and in as an excuse to you know kind of express her hormones um, so the next video comes on it's a, a similar clip and now this time it's introducing a partner so you know it's again a, a 15 to 17 year old boy that is resembling her husband resembling her son and this time he is girl and they're you know full and it's, a, it's just one angle it's a still angle and it's an educational angle and she can she's able to see the um, and she is able to watch the first time that this so this at this point she starts because she is actually interested in the content and it's getting her even though she feels like she would never be to something like this. Keep in mind, this is all part of our plan. Um, now, many days later, after this whole thing is done and the husband has returned and they're, you know, routine as usual, it's another night. It's another Tuesday night. The husband has to go out again. She's left alone. Her son is having doing homework in the room over um, and she is ready to get to bed. But the only thing is she has a craving for some dick and um, she wanted to get it from her husband, but unfortunately he had to go to the spreadsheets. It's a hard job for him. So she thinks about the channel again, and she thinks about her son, who is that same age as that boy before, and she shames herself for the boy on the channel because, uh, of course, um, he was But at this point, the wife is so desperate that she enters the um, room of the child, and she um, kind of and at the at first the child is um kind of confused and he doesn't know what's happening because this is his mother however you're forgetting one thing the child has been watching the adult network on his ipad so not only has the wife been exposed to but the uh the 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 son has been exposed to and having health so at this point, it's completely natural for the son and the mother to uh, have and to express their and when the husband comes home, uh, there is not a sign of this and it's, you know, back to normal, back to mundane life as usual. Kind of the picket fence, the painting of the picket fence, as they say. So yeah, that's kind of our idea to combat, you know, Netflix and, and Disney Plus. Mm -hmm. Get that off my chest. Damn, I'm feeling great right now. I could run a marathon. Mm-hmm. This little piggy went to the market, and this little piggy got his monster cheese, and then this last little piggy loaded up uh, Boomerang Plus and and got on that while it was still hot. You know, so get yours soon, coming in twenty something. August twenty twenty. August twenty twenty. Imagine if my face was a foot instead.
We can make that happen in post. I already, I will. All right. Well, I think that was a good episode, my friend. Unless you have any final remarks, any last topics you want to get on to. You know, you said you were going to complain about your life, but I guess we'll save that for another episode. Mm-hmm. Guys, comment on which angle has been your favorite so far. Because if I spread my legs kind of like That's this. It's kind of a new angle. You're kind of seeing something new, right? You're seeing a whole side of me that you didn't think you'd see, right? So let us know because we know we have a lot of viewers who are active. We were talking to you guys, talking to the three of you that are listening. We you know guys. you're out there. We know that you're watching, but you're not saying anything. You're not commenting. Just comment. Just create a fake YouTube account. Comment anonymously. Do whatever you have to do. But start being a member of this channel. Right? Don't be a... And they say when you're bullied, right? Don't be a spectator. Say something. This is the opposite. This is a positive thing. Speak to us, you know, if something profoundly embraces you. Or and we can help you whatever. get your ideas help. to maximum capacity. Come to us with your money. We can help your ideas come true. All you need to do is comment... And we will be in your, you know, accounts by tomorrow morning. Just expect a small deduction for startup fee. Anyway, that's been the podcast. I'm Jake D'Ambra. I'm Caleb Gronano. And we're going to end with a complimentary uh, bow.